from Mark's Gospel. First chapter, fourth verse. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Well, from where we left off, Last week, with the story of the wise men and or magi and the epiphany, about 30 years has passed in the narrative of Jesus' life. When Jesus appears on the shores of the Jordan River and his earthly ministry begins, he has about three years during which time he will teach and preach, heal, minister, before he will die on a criminal's cross. We know at the very beginning of his ministry, the end was, in terms of time, already very near. His baptism, in some ways, was a precursor of the death that he would experience, this laying down of his life. And John the Baptist, already mentioned, already familiar with us from the Christmas story, we remember especially in Luke's Gospel, Mary going to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was already expecting John the Baptist. I was talking with my dad about that passage where John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother, even being in the presence of a pregnant Mary. And I was suggesting that other than Mary and Joseph, the not yet born John the Baptist was the first in some ways outside of Jesus' nuclear family to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And then 30 years later, again, John the Baptist, points to the Lord Jesus as the one who had been promised by God. John the Baptist was no diplomat, was he? He called a spade a spade, as we might say. His message was simple. Repent, change your way, go the other direction. The route you are going right now will not lead you to the destination that you want to reach. Repent, And be baptized because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Think about that message in relation to the chief priests and the temple system. 
Here John is in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, saying, this is where God is now active. This is where God will begin his activity in the ministry of Jesus. And he was convinced that that ministry would be lived out in the life of Jesus, who was probably something like a second cousin. And then one day, Mark, 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 is, not, Mark is not one who would write uh, uh, policies and procedure manual. You know those, those manuals that have every, uh, you know, the standard operating procedures. Dana talks to me about the books that she keeps track of at, at, her, at her work. With all of, these, all of these scenarios that could come up, and what do we do if? Mark, Mark, wouldn't, Mark wouldn't have been a good writer of those because he was very direct. This is, this is what happened. Now on to the next thing. So he presents John the Baptist and gives us a little bit of a glimpse of John the Baptist. And then he, he says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. So Jesus arrives on the scene. Among the crowd of people being baptized by John at the river. And Jesus requests baptism from John. And John rightfully recognizes, had known for 30 years at this point, that if anyone should be baptized by the other, it was John who should be requesting baptism from Jesus. John knew his role. John knew his role. And John knew Jesus' role. John saw Jesus as the sinless one, the one ordained by God to save his people from their sins knowing that it would take a sinless person to somehow bring salvation and redeem those trapped in the curse of sin. We, of course, share with John the need to be forgiven, the need to be cleansed by Jesus. And we're thankful that in the story of the gospel, we play that out even in our own baptism, this laying down, this being buried with Christ and then raised to walk in newness of life as we emerge from the water. For some of us, that event could have happened decades ago. Shoot, for me it happened decades ago. But it's important for us to remember, no matter our age at the time, the promises that we made, that we would indeed walk in newness of life. So we're reminded this morning of Jesus' baptism and the great gift of our own baptisms through the ordinance of baptism. Kind of the elephant in the room in the story of Jesus' baptism is the fact that Jesus didn't need baptism, <laughs> right? We, we've already established that he was the sinless one. What in the world was he doing? Why, why would God want Jesus to be baptized? It just seems like it confuses the whole issue. Let me suggest to you that Jesus needed baptism not for forgiveness, 
But he needed baptism in his effort to identify with those to whom he came. He needed to be baptized by John to to affirm the role of servant in his life and ministry. The servant who would establish a new covenant between God and the people to whom he came. John's baptism was about repentance from sin. And John was calling people to take a good look at themselves. He wanted them to see that they had veered from God's will. And his baptism was calling them to return to God. And then this sinless Son of God waits in line. (laughs) Waits in line to be baptized among all the unrighteous. This one already fully aligned with the will of his Father. He stands alongside the tax collectors and the soldiers and the adulterers and the cheats. Not needing forgiveness of sin, but there he is, initiating his ministry right among those to whom he will minister. So there on the banks of the Jordan River, we're reminded again of what we celebrated at Christmas, that the divine word, this word who came and dwelled among us, who took on human flesh, that he truly was Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus' ministry was meant to accompany us in all of our humanness. There's a certain redeeming nature of the realization that Jesus experienced life. And because he is God did so, there's a holiness that is given to even our experience of life, mundane though it may be at times. And Jesus experienced all of it. He would thirst, he would hunger, he would get sick, he would be embraced, he would be hurt, even by his own family members, even as recorded in the Gospels. He would be deceived even by friends. He would sleep, he would shiver with cold, he would sweat from heat. When he got cut, he would bleed, he would feel the pain of loneliness, the confusion of uncertainty. He would be tempted, even right after this event in some of the Gospels. In every way, Jesus came to fully immerse himself in our identity as humans. Think of the grand temple at which the worship of God was carefully regulated by those in charge. There would be a sense of otherworldliness to who God was. And then, juxtaposed to that, would be Jesus. When you looked at him, he kind of looked like you. And yet, he was the one God sent to redeem. A Messiah who would 
be just as easily recognized as a suffering servant. But that was the kind of Christ that we needed. A, a Christ and a Lord who is with us and knows even the difficulties of life. When Jesus came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended like a dove and the voice announced the initiation of Jesus' ministry. I wonder what it sounded like to others. I wonder if it was thunder to everybody else. I wonder if they too heard the voice communicated by God the Father in this reunion of the Trinity. Did you catch that? The dove, the Spirit, Jesus in human form, and then the voice of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism was certified as fully accepted by his Father in heaven. Through water, through the Word, through the Spirit, we join before the throne of God in the knowledge that our baptisms are pleasing to God. And we remember the promise of our baptism to do as Jesus did from that time forth and continue to please his Father. Lord, as we reflect on our baptisms, as we reflect on the laying down of our own lives to walk in newness of life with you, may this story of Jesus from these opening days of his earthly ministry draw us to greater commitment. We thank you, O Lord, that your love for us is not based on our own efforts, but our efforts are derived out of our love for you. Draw us closer to yourself. Remind us of your presence with us and the fact that you experienced every element of humanity. We thank you that you are a God who didn't wait for us to reach out to you, but instead came to be with us. We ask this in your name. Amen.